confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com, code GLOW. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Blake Snell to the Dodgers, how it could happen, and should L.A. be all in on Snellzilla? That's coming up next on Dodgers Dugout. It's time for Dodger baseball. That's three straight play. Dodgers have won it all in 2020. Mookie Betts, Craig Schultz, left field. Mookie Betts. They're going to make big signings. They're going to make impact trades. I don't care how many times this team rips my heart out, I'll never stop loving the Los Angeles Dodgers. Big blue, bleed blue, and I'm out. What's going on, Dodgers Nation? Doug McCain here, credentialed member of Dodgers Media. You can follow me on X and Instagram at DMAC underscore LA. Now, if you haven't yet, do us a huge favor. Join the party and subscribe to the number one Dodgers YouTube channel, the number one show, Dodgers Dugout. Hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell, and hit that like button because we are so close to our next giveaway. Once we hit 80 85,000 subscribers. We are giving away a brand new authentic Dodgers Yoshinobu Yamamoto jersey. All you have to do to be eligible is one, be subscribed to the channel and two, comment Yamamania down below. You guys always are bringing those fire takes. I want to hear all your takes on Blake Snell. So for today's Dodgers Nation question of the day, should the Dodgers be all in on Blake Snell? Do you like the idea? Do you think it's a possibility? Where do you think he'll ultimately sign? Let me know down below in the comments section. And for all latest Dodgers Dodgers news, head over to DodgersNation.com. So the Dodgers have already had an A-plus offseason, an absolute masterclass by Andrew Friedman. You go out there and you sign the unicorn, the top player available, a two-way player in Shohei Otani. You sign the top pitcher available in Yoshinobu Yamamoto. You trade for an ace in Tyler Glass now, and you sign him to an extension. You go out there and you sign your lefty masher, a hitter in Teoscar Hernandez. You bring back a Ryan Brazier and a Joe Kelly and a Jason Hayward and a Clayton Kershaw. You go out there and you sign Max Muncy to a new deal. So the list goes on and on. The Dodgers have already crushed it this offseason, but the big question now is, are they done yet? Are we going to have a Marvel movie where after the movie you have all the credits and then there's a post-credit scene and that post-credit scene includes Blake Snell? I mean, the Dodgers already have put together an Avengers-like roster, but could they add one more superhero? Well, 
The first question needs to be answered is, is Blake Snell truly willing to sign that shorter term contract? Well, according to the New York Post, John Heyman, he wrote that he is. And he says Snell via his camp is believed to have recently suggested a willingness to be flexible and listen to short term offers with opt outs, much like the deal star outfielder Cody Bellinger made to return to the Cubs. Meantime, talks continue while spring training does too. So we're already into March and he has to find a team soon. And I think the big question now is, if it comes down to him picking a shorter-term deal, then the Dodgers say, hey, look, I mean, if you're considering the Giants at that price or the Angels at that price or the Phillies at that price, hey, we might as well at least make contact to see how much it would cost to bring you in here on what would ultimately be a multi-year deal that would allow Snell to opt out after this season. It would give him that flexibility. So that is the only way it could happen. If it's at 35 to $40 million AAV, something in that range, and you're on that shorter term deal. Maybe the Dodgers say, look, if he comes in here for one season, he provides that stopgap pitcher that gets us to 2025 when Shohei Otani is going to be back on the mound, when we could have Roki Sasaki, when Clayton Kershaw could be back at full strength, when some of these younger guys are going to continue to emerge. You are going to lose Walker Buehler possibly next season. Can he provide that bridge while also giving you depth this season? Because look, on paper, this rotation They look great. You got Yoshinobu Yamamoto. He looked fantastic in his Dodgers debut. And you guys know how bullish I am on Yamamoto. I think he has the potential to win the Rookie of the Year and the Cy Young in his first season in the show. But having said that, this is someone who has a lot of experience in pitching in six-man rotations. That's what he knows. Also, adjusting to the show, adjusting to the mound, the ball, the schedule. And he's someone who is very young. But if he gets dinged, if he gets banged up at some point, then where do you go from that. Then you got Tyler Glass now who has never pitched more than 120 innings in a season. He's never made more than 21 starts. He told me on this show that his goal for this season is to set a new career high in innings pitched and starts, but he's someone that's dealt with injury issues. I will say when it comes to Tyler Glass now that he told me that most of his injuries have stemmed from that arm injury. Now the arm is fixed, he hopes that he can avoid injury. So that, of course, is the hope. He looked great in his second start with the Dodgers during spring training. So the hope is that he provides that ace-level pitcher that this team desperately needs. So if he's good, that's great. But if he goes down or you want to preserve him a little more and not have him go 150-plus innings, you want to make sure he's fresh and ready to go for the postseason, maybe you got Snell for that as well. And then third, you have Bobby Miller. Bobby Miller is someone who he was outstanding as rookie season. He was fantastic. He's someone that was a breakout player for the Dodgers, but he pitched 124 and a third innings in the regular season, and inning and two-thirds innings in the postseason, and this is going to be his first year in the big leagues as a full-time starter from opening day on. So, is he going to be able to handle that? Is he going to be able to shoulder that load? And then, you also have James Paxton. James Paxton is someone who, look, he was fantastic for stretches early on before the injury. He had a 273 ERA. He had a 29% strikeout rate. 
in 56 innings through the All-Star break. Then after that, he dealt with that hamstring injury that really derailed his season. And that wasn't arm-related, right? So he's someone that hasn't pitched a ton of innings in the last couple seasons because of that Tommy John surgery. I'm very optimistic with Paxton. The velocity at 97, working that elevated fastball in the zone. The deception, the lefty. He's someone that I think has a chance to have success for this team. And then there's Walker Buehler, who's returning from his second Tommy John surgery, who has been a little slower to come back than we all expected. But we have to see what version of Walker Buehler are we going to get? Is he going to be like the guy we saw in 2018, 19? Is he going to be pumping 97, 98, 99 again? Or is it going to be the Walker Buehler 2.0 that's a reinvented version of himself that isn't throwing that four-seam fastball over 50% of the time that's going more with that cutter and that knuckle curve and some of these secondary pitches and kind of pitching us some more contact, not trying to strike every guy out. Is he going to be that guy? And how is he going to handle just coming back from that injury? And then you got the young guys. Which one will emerge? Which one is going to take the next step? Will it be one? Will it be multiples? You got Gavin Stone, who's looked promising during certain stretches. Emmett Sheehan, you saw his flashes last season. Then you got the Michael Grove types, the Landon Knack types, those types of pitchers that, yeah, you definitely definitely think that they have potential in this league, but they're not guys that you can say, okay, these are one, two, or three stars, especially in the postseason. And then you've got Clayton Kershaw, who hopes to be back at some point towards the middle to the end of next summer. Someone who's trying to make his way back from his first major surgery of his career. How is he going to handle that? How is he going to go through the rehab process? You have Dustin May, who could return at some point next summer that could provide a boost in the bullpen or maybe give you multiple innings as an opener. You'll have a situation for him if he He's healthy, right? So so if you look at this rotation, yes, there is a lot of top-end talent. I mean, there's a potential of having five, six aces, right? But there's also one or two big questions with every single one of these starting pitchers. And as we've seen in years past, you can enter the year with tons of starting pitching only to be decimated by injuries. And you have to go out there and get that ace-level pitcher. Because if the Dodgers kind of feel like, okay, maybe we want to get that ace at the trade deadline, well, they haven't executed on those trades in years past because the prospect capital cost is so high with the expanded postseason. Maybe they say, you know what? What do we have over all these teams out there, all these teams that are dealing with their regional sports issues and these regional sports network problems, not having the kind of money that they want to go out there and spend? That's not an issue for the Dodgers. If they want to flex that financial muscle and they want another starting pitcher, Blake Snell could be a viable option. And that's kind of how I look at this. And it would be very costly. I mean, if you look at where the Dodgers are at, roster resources has them at $302 million. So everything above the $297 million mark, that's the last threshold. That's the fourth and highest tier. You are taxed at a 110% surcharge rate. That's the Cohen territory, the Cohen tax, right? So just for example, when they went out there and they signed James Paxton, it cost them more than just the kind of money they were giving to them, right? A $13.2 million deal with the $7 million guaranteed. But because the Dodgers have gone past that CBT threshold for the last three seasons, that $13 million contract for James Paxton was really in the realm of $25 million, right? Because you're spending so much money 
in the taxes. And you look at the last three years, the Dodgers have paid a combined $84.5 million in CBT taxes. And right now, you're looking at $41.4 million in taxes before you even get to the $297 million mark. And we're already past that. So the point I'm trying to make is every single move the Dodgers make at this point, you are getting taxed at an extremely high rate. So if you bring in a Blake Snell and it's $35 to $40 million per season, it's actually going to cost them more than double that. And what we've seen the Dodgers get creative in doing, like for example, Shohei Otani, is you stretch it out to try to get that AAV lower for CBT reasons, right? His AAV hit is $46 million. You look at Yoshinobu Yamamoto, that's a 12-year deal. I mean, they've gotten creative from that standpoint, but on shorter-term deals, it does not help you from an AAV standpoint when it comes to paying the taxes. Now, look, I see you out there. It ain't my money, right? It ain't my money, and if they're making all this money hand over fist and they're truly all in on this season and they want another starting pitcher, hey, what's the difference of another $40 million to a franchise that's worth almost $5 billion that's going to net a billion dollars off of Shohei Otani, right? So let's not forget that. Shohei Otani not only has he signed the biggest contract in baseball history and sports history, but also he is going to be the most profitable for a team. So look, it's not, it's not crazy. When you think about it, it's not insane to think that if they do want another starting pitcher, that Blake Snell could be that guy. And you look at the rotation as it stands right now. Yes, you got Yamamoto. You got Glass now. You got Bobby Miller and Paxton. Beeler coming back and the young hurlers. But... If you do sign a Blake Snell, you could move Paxton to the number five starter role. And then when everyone gets healthy, you can move Paxton to the bullpen. But it does really get crowded at that point. It really becomes a very competitive rotation and a bullpen for guys that want to pitch in the postseason, guys that want to get their innings in. Because you look at Paxton, you look at Snell, you look at Bueller, some of these guys that are trying to get paid past this season, how would that sit with those guys? So I think it's still extremely unlikely for a couple different reasons in that, one, the Dodgers were never in love with the idea of Blake Snell, but maybe they do like him at that price. Like I was saying the other day, look, if if it's ten dollars, I don't want it. If it's nine ninety nine, I'll buy it. Right? It's the first number I'm looking at. They call that the charm pricing. So that's kind of how they do it in the marketing world. So Blake Snell at a discounted rate. If they think that he's going to be that guy, someone who in the postseason has lights out stuff coming off his best season as a pitcher, hey, maybe they think it's worth doing. Now, looking at some of the pros and cons of Blake Snow, we talked about it a lot of times on this show, but the big pro is that I think that he's truly found himself as a pitcher completely. He knows exactly his repertoire. He knows his arsenal. He knows how he wants to tag hitters. And just look at how he performed in his last 23 starts. A 123 ERA, had a 35% strikeout rate. That high strikeout rate is something that's going to play up in the postseason. We saw him use that on the Dodgers there in Game 6 of the 2020 World Series. Shout out to Kevin Cash for taking him out. Can never thank him enough for that. But in the three years since being traded from the Rays to the Padres, he's had a 3.15 ERA with a 31.5 strikeout rate in 83 starts. So he has been consistent. He's been dependable. He's been someone that you can get five, six innings out of. And look, the way the Dodgers deploy their bullpen Maybe the not going deep into games things is that big of an issue. Snell has averaged 5.19 innings per star for his career. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that the Rays were very calculated in the way they used their bullpen. They just did not give him many opportunities that, hey, he could have come through, right? They didn't want to face the order three times through. But if you look at the Padres last season, he goes five and two thirds innings. 
her appearance. So that definitely is something that you could feel good about if you're the Dodgers. Now, I've said this on the show before, too. He's won the Cy Young twice. Outside of those seasons, he's never received one Cy Young vote. So it makes you wonder, are you getting the off-year Blake Snell because he hasn't put together really great back-to-back seasons? Now, I gave you his numbers with the Padres, and they have been really solid, but you would hope that you get a version of Blake Snell that is kind of in between those two Cy Young seasons or just something that's similar to what we saw last year. And you look at the innings, he's pitched 180 innings in his two Cy Young seasons, but outside of that, he's never thrown more than 130. Now, I don't think the Dodgers would even need 180 innings from Blake Snell. They want him to be a beast in the postseason and give you maybe 120 to 150. That would be okay with the depth that they have. But he's someone that is going to want to go out there and pitch and accumulate his stats so he can go out there and get paid. Because that's another fear, too. If you go out there and you sign him to this multi-year deal that has the opt-outs, well, if he does have a bad year or if he does get injured and you got Otani come back, you could have Sasaki, you could have some other pitchers in the mix. Do you want to be married to Blake Snell? I mean, probably that's not going to happen. He's been pretty dependable, but look, he's not just going to sign a clean one-year deal, right? That's just probably not going to happen. It's going to be like Cody Bellinger's that ones we saw, the $80 million for three years with the opt-out. So that's going to be really interesting to look at. And as far as where it stands right now, my friend MLB insider Bob Nightingale, he wrote in USA Today, MLB executives, quote, widely believe Snell will sign with either the Angels or the Giants. However, the Phillies remain a possibility as well, provided Snell is open to a shorter-term contract. So you look at those teams right there. The Giants, yeah, a fringe wildcard team. The Angels, everything would have to break right for them to make the postseason. If I'm Blake Snell, where I really want to go to the Angels, a team that's not going to have a chance of pitching the postseason, right? And then you got the Phillies. They're in the same division with the Atlanta Braves. Yes, we've seen what they've been able to do in the postseason. I think that makes sense. Do you really want to pitch in that bandbox of a stadium, though, in Philadelphia? So if I'm Blake Snell, a part of my approach, if I'm going to consider the shorter-term deal, is which of these teams gives me a chance to flourish in the postseason? Because if he goes out there and dominates in the postseason, then you really expand your market. You got teams with recency bias that see what he's able to do in October and say, okay, I like him for what he can do in the regular season, but it'll take his value to a whole other level if he dominates in the postseason. That is something that he could have the opportunity to do with the Dodgers. We know the Dodgers are going to punch their ticket no matter what. They've been to the last 11 postseasons, and you got the roster they have. They're going to win this division. I think that I'm very confident in saying that. I picked them last year to win the division. They won the division, right? But this Dodgers team with Blake Snell, it could be a match in that, okay, we'll give you your one-year deal money. We can give you an opportunity to thrive. And he probably sees, okay, look, the Dodgers, look what they've done for other pitchers out there. Look at how good this team is. It's going to give my numbers a bump, right? It's going to put me in the best position to go out there and sign a multi-year deal. I still think it makes a lot of sense for the Giants to sign him on a multi-year deal, the Angels to sign him on a multi-year deal, but unfortunately, teams out there, they're crying poor. And Susan Slusser of the San Francisco Chronicle, she wrote that the the Giants are still very much in the Snell sweepstakes. So I picked Snell to go to the Giants at the beginning of free agency. That was my team that I had him going to. I had the Giants signing Chapman and Blake Snell. If you want to go back a couple months ago, that was my prediction for that. And I still think it makes a lot of sense. I think it makes sense for a team. You got Logan Webb. Outside of that, I mean, where are you at? I mean, you definitely need to go out there. We got Tristan Beck. He was diagnosed with an aneurysm in his right arm. 
You have Logan Webb, who definitely is a frontline starter. But if they're serious about making the playoffs, making some noise in the division, I think they should go out there and sign Blake Snell. So it's not impossible for it to happen for the Dodgers. Like I said, they are very opportunistic. They're a team that, hey, if a player is going to fall into their lap, like Freddie Freeman did a few years ago, they will jump. It just makes you wonder, one, at what point do they want to kind of cool it off as far as the spending goes. But I think, too, do they want to wait until the season to get their starter and kind of assess what they have early on? But if they are hell-bent on adding another ace-level starter, there's 10 to 15 of them in the world that you really trust in a big game in the postseason. If they think that Blake Snell is that guy and that you can move James Pax or one of these guys to the bullpen and you kind of just have to sadly assume that you're going to have an issue with one of these top five guys just because of what we've seen and just kind of the current state of starting pitches in Major League Baseball, maybe they do strike on Blake Snell. So like I said, I'm not absolutely head over heels in love with the idea because I do want to see some of these young guys get developed. I do want to see this current rotation and see what they're capable of, and then try to address needs in the season. Because if you do sign him, your rotation is set. You're probably not going to go out there and trade for anyone barring an injury. And your rotation's already set. But as far as just kind of taking it to the next level, if you sign a Blake Snell, you don't have very much flexibility, and you don't have a lot of room for these young guys to kind of develop if you want to, A, develop them, and B, use them for trades. But, hey, parades over prospects. You guys know that has been my motto here, and I want to parade. I want champagne on Clayton Kershaw and all these guys in Otani winning that MVP and that World Series title. Look, I just think that you have the roster you have. If you have a chance to go get them, hey, it's something worth exploring just to at least have the conversation. Right now, there's no whispers, right? There is no whispers, but guess what? There's no whispers on Teoscar Hernandez, right? A lot of people assume that Yoshinobu Yamamoto was going to go to the Yankees or the Mets, right? So, look, we all know Andrew Friedman operates. He only speaks when it's time to say checkmate, and maybe this is something that he has because, let's not forget, his connection with Blake Snell. He was the guy who was a part of drafting him back in Tampa Bay. Blake Snell, someone who could fit in with this team. But that's going to do it for this episode of Dodgers Dugout. My name is Doug McCain. You can follow me on X and Instagram at DMAC underscore LA. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to the channel. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that notification bell. Hit that like button. By the time you're watching this, we're probably already at 85,000 subscribers, so we will give that jersey away tomorrow. Comment Yamamania down below. The more times you comment, the better. So definitely drop those comments down below. My name is Doug McCain. You can follow me on X and Instagram at DMAC underscore LA. Remember, nothing brings us together quite like Dodger baseball. And until next time, think blue, bleed blue, and I'm out. 